0: Hey everybody, welcome to this week in pre-IPO stocks podcast with me. I got Nick Fusco, CEO of 8View, a pre-IPO secondary market pricing company, and Clint Sorensen, Chief Investment Officer at Wellshield, an outsourced CIO and investment research company. Okay, first topic fellas, XAI. All right, so these guys were in the news last week that they were going to do a 6 billion dollar raise at a 20 billion dollar post-money valuation. XAI is the large language model that like, competes with OpenAI and Anthropic and everybody, Elon Musk gets its data from X, right, Twitter, uh, to to train the models. So then, so then Musk comes out last week. <laughs> it says, "I'm not raising capital in a in a in a post, right on X. I'm not raising capital. I've never had conversations with anyone about this. Right now." I'm getting calls from brokers offering me XAI shares, okay? So every, everyone's all full of it or or what? So like maybe Nick, like I'll, I'll, pump, I'll pump it to you. And then Clint, I got some questions for you about the valuations. But Nick, like are you hearing anything on XAI out in the marketplace? Like what, what's the buzz that you're hearing on your side? So
1: we, yeah, we're in the process of running our batch tomorrow morning. Okay. And I will tell you then.
0: Okay, got uh, it. Reserved everything that's next come up. Week, then. No, so but I but
1: I will say no. Honestly, two weeks ago, I'm going to say no. Two weeks ago, there there really wasn't much chatter, much much color of anything going on. No, um, but yeah, I we we'll just say there are some rumblings, but
0: we'll we'll have to tell from the data very very shortly in the morning. Yeah, yeah. I got I, I had at least three phone calls of guys offering me shares of X, and I'm like, what are the terms? They're like, well, they haven't come out yet, but it's like this round, and I said, okay. I'm like, yeah, when it comes out, let me know. Let me know. Right. But Clint, so Clint, like twenty billion dollar valuation. This is a company that started two years ago. Right. Now all these things are big. But Anthropic just did their deal at what? Like 17, 18 billion, I think it was, right? Um, right in that range. Like what do you what do you think about this company? You know, maybe with this special tie up with X, does it give it a leg up on like an anthropic or an open AI? Like what are your thoughts on that? Uh I mean, I hate to
2: say this because I... Uh... I'm really not this big of a fanboy, but I think it ultimately this is a gr- he Elon Musk is in a great position for AI. Number one, if you're thinking about a large language model and you're thinking about data, and I haven't you know dug too deep into the to the data ownership within X, but that's a lot of data. Um, yeah, A lot from a training perspective, so that's valuable. Then you start to think about what's the ultimate picks and shovels play on AI. And it's always ultimately going to be energy consumption. It's taking energy and creating productive uses. So when you start to think about the avenues there, um, whether it be batteries or what have you, I think he's in a he's got a significant competitive
1: advantage um, mm. you're from you're a longevity gigaf- perspective. Gig- gigafactories and things of that nature as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, so the Elon Musk compet- companies.
2: Yeah. Yeah, if you just think about his his infrastructure. Uh yeah, he's got a significant advantage. Um so I don't know if it's worth 20 billion right now. I think we're just literally yeah. throwing stuff and seeing what sticks at this point, but ultimately it's going to come down to inputs and outputs and ultimately it's going to come down to data and the cheapest energy usage. And right, right. at the end of the day, I think he's got a leg up to Anthropic Databricks, anyone that's relying on an outside I, source,
1: period. But I'm, I'm also curious, and, and Aaron, you spend a fair bit more time on Twitter than I do. Um, Clint, you're, you're up there a fair bit more than I am as well, I think. But what is the data integrity play here? Because <laughs> yeah. I also Good feel question. like he came in and took Twitter on because there were so many bots. And when you're trying to do a large language model, do you want to be basing things on a lesser degree of context, or are you going to tie in what that's the known point. people are so you could spool together the history of tweets from that one person, the history of replies from that one person? How do you put it in the context that's of what they're replying to? Right. I think that's an extremely challenged data set of okay. a lot of disparate crap commentary in, crap with out, a lot of right? sarcasm, right? <laughs> yeah, tough. yeah. Uh, if somebody can do it, I I would say he's got a knack for finding the people with the great minds to put around him. But I don't know that the data integrity is really there when you're comparing the Twitter universe to let's say what Microsoft can do uh, via open AI with their assets that are um, like LinkedIn. Incredible. yeah, Right. You're Incredible. really not having yeah. as much of activity there. And then looking at GitHub and coding, coding uh, databases, things like that. I mean, I don't think being like up to that extent. Bing yeah. or Google, yeah.
2: you know, yeah, Bing, Google. I always thought Google would be a big player to that point, Nick. Just because I mean, it's been a verb for a really long time, and you're always thinking. You're always thinking. Well, what's the what's the AI? I mean, the AI use case. That data is is incredibly valuable. You're just getting people asking questions all day, right? yeah, and yeah, so yeah. you, you yeah. think about that value. Whereas, I can't remember a time I asked a question to Twitter. Maybe when I was looking for like a chart or something, I like typed in a like a topic. I want to ask questions. And that might be what Grok's all about, right? Where they're trying to get people to start asking Mm -hmm. questions and then allow the machine allow you know machine learning to step in and start picking up. But I think that was a great point, Nick. I think data integrity is an issue. I get I get bots every week liking stuff and I'm like, who for sure click on it? It's like, you know, (laughs) some random picture with no tweets at all it's true it's totally
0: true well so i would say this fellas the the he's gonna need capital at some point right because this is large language model business that's an expensive business right so he's gonna have to buy some chips or figure out a partner a cloud partner something right um um so if he's not i mean he's pretty definitive i'm not raising capital right so i don't know how you misunderstand that one if you're an investor but you know, so so, but at some but, point he's got to come. So it'd be interesting to but, see when that. But happens.
1: maybe maybe this is the difference between public and private. If he says something like uh, te- Tesla's earnings are off the chain this week, and then they're not, that's a problem. But if he <laughs> says fun we're, not choice, rais- fun yeah, we're, not, we're not raising yeah, we're not we're not raising capital for for X, which is private. Yeah,
0: is there an issue? It's like, you're maybe right. not. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Yep. You're not wrong. Okay. All right. Let's hit on let's hit on Chime next. Okay. So Chime. There's buzz, you know, there's some buzz about these guys um, this past week, right? Around Chime and a potential IPO, something that's going to come soon. So Chime is a fintech challenger bank. They primarily serve like lower income people, right? They have like a checking account, really, is what their primary offering is. So they raised, um, they had a $25 billion valuation in September of 2021. I have them at $5.6 billion implied secondary market valuation, right? That's based off of the next uh, data there at Ape View. Um, They've raised 2.65 billion to date. So 5.6 implied valuation, 2.65 billion raised. Okay. Here's the kicker though. All right. Here's the kicker. They have 14.5 million customers, 1.8 billion in revenue in 2022. I don't know what the revenue number was last year, but it's like, it's going exponential. The revenue is crazy. So They had an investor come out and say that they had, this is a long-term investor. Someone's been in the, in the company for like over 10 years. They have, they have them at like a $16 billion valuation. Okay. So 5.6 to 16. So that's like an eight times eight revenue multiple on the 1.8, which I think is probably pretty reasonable for, uh, if it's growing that fast, right. Maybe even low. So my, so my question to you guys is, is this like a perfect example where, you know, the private stock market is still super depressed, but these companies have been kicking ass for the, like the last three years while everything's been going down. They're still performing really well, right, and delivering results. But the market just hasn't reflected that in the in the secondary market. Is that what do you think, Clint? Yeah,
2: that's why I love the space. I think you had price discovery here, right? Um, ultimately, a price discovery in venture. Term sheet started getting pulled in venture in late '21. Everyone started front running the Fed tightening cycle, right? So you started getting late 21, early 22, funding, ter- you know, term sheets start getting pulled, especially in the early stage stuff. And then you see deterioration in pricing through 22 on a, on the back of a Fed, a fade, a Fed rate height cycle, right? Liquidity, yeah, yeah. trends switched, credit contraction, the funding mechanism inherently broke, and everything got, the, got you know, smacked. that. Right is price discovery. That is good. You haven't seen that in the public market as much because of whatever reason, right? But maybe because of the flight to quality trade. There's a number of reasons because of liquidity, because it became a preference for liquidity. But ultimately, that was a big move. And that's why I love the space so much. I think you got price discovery. I think you've got a lot of great companies, overwhelming amount of great companies that are continuing to improve. They're growing revenues that were In an era where profits started to be rewarded over promises and duration plays, started to show profitability, we've talked about several of these companies in the past that started to say, hey, we can do X, Y, and Z, pivot very quickly, manage the business well, and get to profitability. That's not like the venture companies of the tech bubble, where there was no prayer of ever getting to that point. These are really well-run businesses that are staying private longer. And they're managing well in the midst of what would be seen by a lot of people as a crisis. I mean, you've had two If you look at like venture indices, you've had two major drawdowns since 2018, since Powell came in. Yeah. You had a 75% cut in, uh, I forget what that, the Refinitive Index right? Mm-hmm. You know, 75% mm-hmm. drawdown. And you just had another massive drawdown in 2022 in these two indices. I would love to hear what Nick has to say about the eight view indices and see what those have done in those similar time periods. But that's pricing discovery. And that get, that makes me interested in this space. And I think that's to your point, Aaron. Yeah. You've, I think a lot of these names have been smacked. I think a lot of them offer compelling valuations. We talk about China and some of these names in China, like Bythance, I mean, Sheen, right? Or whatever Sheen yeah. or whatever, however you pronounce yeah. it. Yep. Yeah. Incredible businesses, huge user growth, massive revenue piles. And at the end of the day, they're priced like they're a consumer staple in the United
0: right. States. It's true. It's true. It's true. So, so Nick, what, like, I mean, Clint, Clint likes it. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I mean, like, what do, like, what do you think? Are, I mean, this isn't the only name like that. I'm sure you're seeing this stuff all the time, right? At AFU, like, these companies sure. are super depressed and they haven't come back. So, like, to Clint's question, are you seeing this stuff show up in kind of the APU indexes and some of the some of the names that you look at regularly?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So just just going back to hit the last thing that that Clint was saying on the APU index. Uh, let's just compare it to the SPY. We on a tw- rolling twelve month basis are wi- within a few percent now of be uh, of matching the returns of the SPY, and actually uh, a few months ago, the APU fifty did beat it. And then they've just been battling it up and down by a margin of about three or four percent la- for the last for the last uh, three four months. So really okay. interesting there at the macro, if we want to call it that, uh, level. And then when you get down to these individual levels, like a chime, uh, really interesting what we saw here. We saw a precipitous decline in the secondary market value, which uh, which you noted. You saw the the same thing on a later basis for where individual funds were holding the particular name. And then they stopped taking their write downs on the name around uh, Q4 of 2022, Q1 of 2023. And and what we're seeing on the name, they've largely kept it flat around the 11, uh, 11 billion valuation mark. So way above what we see We're, in the secondary market, yeah, and some of what we we realized that there is. So typically, Nick, that's like
0: Fidelity, T Rowe Price. That's like those exact, guys, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah okay, exactly. Guys. Yeah,
1: uh, Algar, yeah. uh, in the in this case, that is the one one name that's popping up on the on this particular uh, bank. Name. Yeah, but that's that's a, usually a good sign. And yeah, then the sure. other good yeah. sign here is I forget if it was over the last six months or over the last twelve months, there was a ninety uh, percent. Bid to offer ratio. Again, that's a really positive sign. So you, when you bring those two things together, I would say that the the secondary market's operating at a relative discount to where things should be, and definitely for the last six months, looking at the time that that got hit harder than the rest of uh, the eight few P fifty, the primary benchmarks that that we look at. So um, that's an yeah, interesting
0: I, business. Yeah, I, I got to tell would, you.
1: Go ahead. Yeah, go on, I'm sorry. Nick, go ahead. No, I mean as as long as it be remains viable as a bank uh people aren't are concerned about his long-term health prospects and not banging on on the growth it's
0: i would say that those are two really strong signals in the positive direction yeah that this is an interesting i mean i know more about these types of businesses having worked at Galileo right chime was actually one of Galileo's customers right so oh, he wow. had a ton of business with them and uh but the interchange business is an interesting business. That's where the, every time you swipe a debit card or a credit card, there's interchange. And that's where that's Chime's primary revenue source is that type of revenue. Right. So it's just interesting to be. I wish I, I wish there was net income numbers out there for them. Right. Because the customer acquisition cost on these types of businesses is high. So like, Clint, I think w- to your comment, if these guys are profitable and they're throwing off that much revenue and they're growing this fast and they're still profitable, this is this is like a really interesting opportunity. Right. Um, my without having information rights, I'm I have a sneaking suspicion they're like maybe negative, net negative on the on the on the net income, right? But so this is where I think to your point, there's an interesting investment thesis, there, Clint, like if you can find, like you mentioned, you can find companies that are profitable, that are growing fast, that have a massive are still massively depreciated in the secondary. That's a super interesting investment thesis, I think. I'm a long right? ter- if
2: you want to be long term, I'm a I'm a I'm a borrow from from Nick all the time and said, you want to play duration, right? Which is, I think, an edge. Um, Nick really enlightened me to this. He said, I think having, you know, the fat pitch, he did a fat pitch guest spot with me. And he said, uh, he said, he's our guest. And he said, if you, you know, the edge, the fat pitch is having duration, right? Being, having a long-term view. And this it's dopamine true. addicted society, I really believe that. I think it was just uh, is incredibly wise. So I think absolutely that's a huge long term play, uh, and it helps in, because of the way the market structure is, which you guys know. Not being able to trade in and out of these things all the time, I think that that offers. Uh, I think that's a compelling play, for sure. Yes,
0: yes. Okay, so let's hit on one. Let's hit on one last topic here, just real quick. Because I uh, I know some of us have to go right. So the the continuation fund. So Lightspeed Ventures Capital Partners is a great VC firm. So combat VC firm. They're moving ten. They just announced they're thinking about moving ten investments that are worth about a billion dollars into a continuation fund, which is basically like an SPV or a series of legal entities SPVs that wrap into this fund, and then they're going to let their LP sell out their interest. So this is to me a sign of 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 like maturation, like a maturity of the secondary market. Right. This is. You're getting these pass-through entities that are allowing people to get liquidity. It's not always just about buying the stock and being on the cap table. There's other types of liquidity options. So, uh, you know, Lightyear was bigger. They got Stripe, Ripple, Andrew, Stability AI, Alloy, uh, Cohere, right? Some like big names. I don't know if they're in this continuation fund. But what do you guys think? Just real quick, like just maybe I'll just let each of you go. It's like Clint, like what do you think about this? Are you? Do you? Do you like this idea that VCs are kind of creating these liquidity options for their investors, their LPs?
2: Yeah, I do. Um, I think you know, being a liquidity provider when liquidity is needed is a is a great business.
0: The fund's not losing out on that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And then, Nick, what do you think about you, man? On your side, like you're you're seeing, yeah, I'm sure you're seeing prices for some of these types of situations flow through Eight View, right? Like, um. Do you think that's good for the market, bad for the secondary market, that you're seeing more business like this come to come to light?
1: I, I'm just going to compare it to like a NAV financing or taking taking loans against a portfolio, which is in the, in the longer run, less healthy for the fund, I think. And I'm going to side with Clint. He just said one wise man once told me, you got to go for the long duration if you're going to be along for the ride. Forget who said that. <laughs> but... Um, no, I, I think you're, you're giving optionality to the shareholders. And potentially, if you're pricing it right, it's it's a really fair thing to do to make sure that you maintain uh, maintain the duration that you actually promised to your original LPs in the first place. You get the IRR, you lock it in, and then you, you throw people onto the continuation fund. And I, I had coffee with someone that just ran a continuation fund about two months ago, but that's their only business. So the yeah. fact that Lightspeed is going to be able to maintain that ecosystem themselves on both sides. I, I think that's relatively clever. I think a lot of the the VCs that are out there are now doing wearing multiple hats, right? So being able to say, "All right, we're also going to make an SPV uh beyond they've been doing side pools for many many years in individual stocks. Um, right. you know, I I just think this is making the ecosystem better by offering more of a full service uh approach. You know, this yeah, I see very little downside in this. I'm sure Somebody can comment below and yeah. complain what we're missing here, but
0: no, I, I think it's all it's it's mostly good. I'll yeah, say I yeah. I I mean I love I love this. I think this is this is a sign to me, like if more people did things like this, this is a sign to me of like a really maturing marketplace, right? Right. Um where you're coming up with solutions that can't get rofered, that can't get blocked by the board. That have a really clear sign to completion from a transaction perspective, there's like known costs associated with it. that's just like when as those things start to happen more and more often then you get I think you get more investors comfortable in the space, right so I love this. I think it's so cool, and I hope more I hope we see more of it kind of in the future too so okay, let's end it there, fellas. I appreciate you guys all right man see you guys right, and uh and I'll see you guys next week, okay, See you in a week, all right, cheers.